Okay, welcome everybody to another episode of Drunk Agile with us in the background. They're hiding this time. She's hiding is the star of the show, Nisha. Yeah, she's <laughs> right. She, she, she does think that she can play hide and seek, but no. She can't. Yeah. Uh, then, of course, we have uh, the Yogi Bear of Agile, who is... Pratik Singh. Pratik Singh. My name is Daniel Vacanti. Thank you again for joining us. Pratik, what are you drinking tonight? So today, I'm in an old-fashioned... Been a while since I had an old fashioned, so which which is never a good thing. That's never a good thing. There's so much too many, too many, too, too many days between an old fashioned. I use a small batch, uh, four roses, a particularly inoffensive in an old fashioned. <laughs> That's 45% alcohol. That's straight bourbon. Yep. So I went, uh, I went back to my, my Akintoshin. For fans of the show, you know that Akintoshin is my favorite. This one, however, is fairly disappointing. 25 year old. Uh, 44.8%, but you can see I'm working my way through it. Just, just want to get through this. Just <laughs> it's a, it's a slog. Yeah, <laughs> so I can, uh, we can go on to, uh, to, to other stuff. But, uh, but normally, normally, don't get me wrong, normally I love, I love my Akintoshans. So, yeah. well, uh, oh, cheers. Yeah, cheers, everybody. Cheers. <laughs> Hope you're enjoying your, your favorite drink um, as well now. Oh, I didn't sip. You don't like it so much that you didn't sip. I totally <laughs> forgot. I'm like, oh, yeah, so I, I got to drink it. Uh, Pratik, can you and can you introduce our topic for tonight, please? So today, today we're 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 answering a question from Mark Parks. Um, I think we we addressed a part of his question before, but this 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 second part, which I think is really interesting, is um, and I'll and I'll I'll, I'll read the question verbatim, which is how best to use flow-based data to help guide meetings such as Scrum events. So he's, he's, what he's asking really is things like um, retrospective uh, sprint reviews, your sprint planning, the daily scrum. How can we bring these flow-based metrics in there? Yeah, great. So um, great question. It's 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 one it's, it's one we get quite a bit, as, especially for those of you who are familiar with Scrum. And I'm sure if you, if you are doing Scrum, that you are are dutifully doing all of those events. Um, and one more, but I'll leave it to the reader to, to, re, to figure out what that other event is that Pratik did not mention um, that really doesn't have any metrics associated with it per se. Um, okay, so Mark, the, the first thing I think we, we can say uh, to short circuit some of this conversation anyway is one of our very first episodes, I want to think, was it our second or third one? I want to say it was it's, definitely it's, the first one with a guest. <laughs> yeah, we had, yeah, so we had, we had uh, Colleen Johnson on. Colleen Johnson's the CEO of Scatterspoke, uh, which is a retrospective tool. She's also the CEO of, CEO of ProKanban.org. Um, but on that show, we talked a lot about what metrics are useful in, in retrospectives. Uh, so Colleen had some great insight in, into that. So um, without wasting too much time here, uh, if you're interested in metrics for retrospectives, please go check out that video with Colleen. Um, and like I said, there's just a wealth of information on that one. Uh, so then the next one that we can probably cross off the list pretty quickly is the sprint review. I don't particularly want to talk a little bit about the sprint review. And what... um, Yeah, sure. It's, it's a Typically, in a sprint review, you would show the product and show what you did and figure out how how you can get feedback on that to to, to see if you're moving in the right direction. And um, there can you, you could do a couple of things in sprint review with these flow metrics as well. You can essentially show the flow metrics to to show how well the team is operating and what is the plan to improve that. You can 
also with the feedback that you got in the sprint review from from your stakeholders um reforecast and say okay based on what you're telling us it looks like we're going to we're going to be shifting our plans this way and now you'll get this functionality on this particular date you can use throughput to run monte carlo or and as, as i said earlier you can show your stakeholders say hey, this is the rate at which we get things out to you to get feedback this is how that's changing so. yeah so before before too many scrum trainers out there are groaning um you know, yes, we know that the sprint review is, is you know, it's it's not a demo. We know it's it's meant to be right. more of a collaboration with with our with our stakeholders to understand, you know, hey, based on the information we gained from getting a done increment, based on the information that we gained from meeting our sprint goal, uh, based on the information that we have gained about the market, you know, in in the last sprint, um, what you know, how might we adjust our approach to uh, to to um, tweaking our product? And so, as Pratik said, all of those come into play. I mean, maybe, maybe because of this dynamic increment, it might it might require a, a different release date for whatever reason. And so, we can do some forecasting on on what what that might look like. Um, for example, so there's you know there's there, there, there's that. Um, uh, you know, I, I don't I guess I don't know that there's really too much yeah. more to say about that. Than, than, than I just that. wanted to pull the thread of collaboration just a little bit more to say you can essentially show them something like your cycle time and say that this is the rate at which we're able to actively collaborate on individual items with you right now and this is the this is the direction it's trending in so expect to see things more often or whatever you could you could have that question of how this is how our collaboration with you is going based on our flow metrics. Absolutely, yeah, very good. I mean, and, and so you know, we should we should come up with little little bingo cards or you know our our own drinking game. So when we say certain things, we have to take a drink because I'm gonna I'm gonna say based on that collaboration point that you just made, something that we always say when we talk about metrics. Metrics are all about getting you to ask the right questions sooner. Right? It's, it's how can we use these metrics to gain some insight. Um, so that we can ask, we can ask better questions, and hopefully, by asking better questions, make make better decisions based on that data that we've got. So, I know, take a drink if we say, you know, ask, you know, ask questions sooner. Take a drink. Um, but that's really what it's about. It's about fostering that that collaboration. This might result in very drunk agile. Yeah, very, 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 very <laughs> drunk agile. So, you know, if anybody wants to suggest some bingo cards or something that you're or drinking game for things that we say all the time. Um, that would be great. We, we, we'd love to see it. All right, next event that we can, we can hopefully cross off our list fairly quickly is, uh, is sprint planning. Would, would you like to talk a little bit about sprint planning um, as well? Yeah, I think um, we, spent, we spent, I think, about four episodes talking about <laughs> probability thinking in Monte Carlo and, and uh, I hate to keep referring people back to those, but do, 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 do take a look at those, talk, talk about how where we talk about how you can use something like a Monte Carlo simulation to figure out how many things can you get done over a period of time. And um, one of the things that, that you want to figure out in sprint planning is, um, is how much work can you get done? And that, that will help you craft your sprint goal. Um, and that, that is, is our recommended way of doing that is using Monte Carlo simulations to figure out over the course of the sprint, what do we expect? How many work items do we expect to get done? And then what outcome can those work items um, achieve as a sprint goal? 
Yeah, this, I don't know. This is kind of quickly turning into a kind of a lecture on Scrum, but um, a lot of a lot of people think that sprint planning is all about deciding what work needs to get done, um, and that's that's actually not quite true. It's a little bit true, but it's not. It's really not quite true. The 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 purpose of sprint planning is to you know is to um, coming out of that that event, coming out of that meeting, is to number one have a sprint goal, and then number two have a plan to achieve that goal. Mm-hmm. Part of that plan could be, as Pratik was saying. What things do we think that we're going to work on? Although the Scrum Guide doesn't say that you have to know upfront everything that that you're you are going to work on. That that's really kind of not the point. I would argue it's kind of anti-agile to say we know exactly what we're going to work on uh, right up front. But to Pratik's point, um, from a product owner's perspective, it'd be very very useful to know kind of what what is my budget for this sprint? Mm-hmm. I mean, how many PBIs do I do I can I reasonably expect? Um, to get in the sprint, because that might help with my ordering. That might help with trying to decide which which ones I think are you know are the right ones to be working on now, you know, versus versus not. And that that's to me that's that's really where something like Monte Carlo forecasting comes into its own, because uh, we, we we have to emphasize this. Remember, we talked about with Monte Carlo forecasting, it doesn't tell you what items are going to get done, but it will give you an idea of how many items um, you know will get done. So so it's again it's about fostering that 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 um, conversation with the product owner. Um, this, this is roughly your budget. And by the way, you can run that Monte Carlo simulation. I think we, we showed this. You can run that Monte Carlo simulation for sprint planning. I think I did it once in less than 30 seconds, literally less than 30 seconds. It's like, okay, product owner, here's your budget. Now let's get on to the more in- interesting conversation of what's our sprint goal and, and what's yeah. our plan to achieve that goal. Can, can, we, can we actually achieve, do we have a realistic enough sprint goal based on the forecasting we're doing exactly 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 so sprint planning i mean so so uh, through, essentially we're talking about throughput monte carlo simulation for sprint planning i, I you know um th- there's really not much more to it in terms of, of the metrics for for sprint planning which we we were as you everyone's probably realized we're saving the best for last we purposefully saved the best for last what is that the, the last event that we want to talk about um, yeah, the, and what the, metric can we use pratik the last event that we want to talk about is is uh, the daily scrum or the daily standup. So the teams coming together to talk about how are things going, what can we do to to get things done today, what's the plan for the day, and the metric that 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 we love to use for it. And and if you've watched earlier episodes, you would probably have seen us refer to it multiple times. Is the aging work in progress? What's the work item age? What is what is the work item age of of our of everything that's in the workflow right now. What is yep. the work item age of the items that we are working right now? That's what I was going Thank to you. say initially. Thank you, I Yogi Berra. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say that, and then I flipped it right at the end to say the items in your workflow. hundred uh, percent of this game is 80% mental. Yeah, thanks, 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 Pratik. <laughs> thanks, thank you for that insight. But, uh, but this is, to me, this the reason I think we, we want to spend a little bit of time on this is because from a Scrum perspective, and I know I'm probably going to get a whole bunch of hate mail for this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, <laughs> You're gonna, your hate mail is going to go up by yeah, 1%. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's all, it's, that's just in the noise factor right now. Um, Scrum as a framework does a great job at talking about what you're supposed to do at the beginning of the sprint and, and what you're supposed to do at the end of the sprint. But it really doesn't give all that much guidance in terms of what to do during the sprint. And for my money, that's that's really where the rubber meets the road. I mean, that's that's the, the, the bulk of where you're going to be spending your time 
is actively managing how you're working with, with within the sprint. And the scrum guide is, is largely silent on, on, on how to do that. And this is where the flow metrics, this is why I love the, the professional scrum with Kanban class, shameless plug. This is where flow metrics, especially aging, come into their own because the, you know, it's, it's tailor-made for helping teams to understand how the sprint is progressing, where those problems are and what actions they need, need to take. Uh, so maybe we should, should, I think we should talk about some of that. How, how do we actually leverage something like work item age to, um, to inform actions, to inform decisions, to inform change of plans? Yeah, and, and, and if you haven't watched the earlier episodes, let's, let's, let's kind of define these things as, as we're talking about them. Um, work item age is essentially how long has something been in your process? Something that started but not finished yet. How long has it been in your process? Um, one of the things you can do is compare how long something has been in your process to how long have things taken in the past. If this particular item has been in your process, let's say for six days already. And if you look back and look at your cycle time and it says 85% of the time we get things done in five days or less. Let's say that's what it says. Then you would say this thing has been in here for six days. This has already taken longer than 85% of our work does has, has in the past. We should be doing something about this. Let's, 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 let's take some action on this and let's try to fix this thing or split it, whatever we need to do with it. Let's right. take some action. So it's a call to action essentially on, on items that are active in your workflow right now. And, and, and that's a great example because you know, you're saying, Hey, this item is six days old, but you know, 85% of the time we, 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 or finished in five days or less. Well, by looking at age, if you were monitoring age every single day of the sprint, you'd probably get that signal much, much early than when, mm -hmm. earlier than when it got to six days. You'd probably get that signal after most likely two days, two or three days, um, at, at which case we could, you know, um, during, during our daily scrum or our daily standup, which by the way, um, Maybe we should talk about the purpose of the daily scrum and the daily standup, but that's that's where you know where our, our team can can take that signal, and again adjust their plan based on this information we're getting. So what are some things that they can do? So let's let's say that you know an item is two or three days old, and we're already getting the signal that uh, this thing's this you know this thing's not looking so good. What what are some things that we can do, Pratik? Yeah, that's that that's where the team. This is this is when I, why I think you'll agree with us. Ninety percent of process management happens at the daily standup. The rest of it can, is sprinkled all over. Ninety percent of it happens at the daily standup. And this is where we we pull out all those uh, process management tools that we know of, which is in the agile world at least, which is swarming on items, which is right sizing items, and 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 kind of breaking things up. Um, figuring out is, is, there, is there parts of this item that are kind of already done and, and we've just lashed on too much of it? Can we break it apart and move forward? Is there something external holding this thing up? Do, do we need to go raise it up in the organization to get it moved on? So all those things, so swarming, splitting this thing further, um, go, go, figuring out if it's held up by an external dependency and, and figuring out what, what we can do about it. Or the the last one I would mention, which would be, have we just pulled too much work in and and we're not focused on getting things done? It, it's an immediate feedback loop to go, things are taking longer because we're pulling too much work in and not able to focus on getting things done. We're starting and not not finishing. Right. Yeah. Let's, yeah, um, 
Let's talk a little bit more about that, that this the slicing slash right sizing piece, because again, fans of the show know that that's, that's kind of a hot, <laughs> hot button topic for us. <laughs> Take a drink. Take a drink. Yeah. <laughs> when, when, you know, when you get that signal, when you get that signal from monitoring work item age, that something is taking too long to complete, absent any other information, for, for example, you know, this thing's blocked on an external dependency, absent that information, I can say with pretty high confidence that the majority of the time, the reason this thing's taking too long is because it's too blank big, right? It's just <laughs> too big. Um, and so many teams get into this rut that, especially coming out of sprint planning, there's like, okay, we've got our PBIs and, and we've decided what PBIs we're working on, that, hey, that's the PBI and that's, that's, uh, that's what it has to be. And, and we're just gonna work on that PBI. And I, I don't care what it is, you know, we've maybe, God forbid, pointed it, uh, don't, don't, don't get it started. Um, and it's like, that's, that's just what it is. And that's, and that's just so not true. When, when you get that signal, when you know, that an item is aging too long um, or, or, or it's getting too old, absolutely have the conversation about, can we break this thing up? Just as Pratik said, I mean, you know, it's, you know um, based on the information that we've gained about it, maybe we've completed some stuff and this stuff that we've completed is already valuable and we can break that off and, and call that good. Uh, maybe we figured out a, a different way to, um, I don't know, to, to organize the acceptance criteria such that maybe some of these, these acceptance criteria make sense just kind of on their own. Whatever it is, but by all means, feel free. Not only do you have the ability, I would argue you have the responsibility to break those items up when you get that signal. Yeah, I, I, just reminds me of two things. One is the general agile mindset of maximizing the amount of work not done. You kind of find out what, what is non-essential and move it away from the essential so that you work on the highest priority things. Um, when you split items, when you're actively breaking things apart, it becomes easier and easier to prioritize the essential ahead of the non-essential. Um, and at the same time, the second, second thing it reminds me of is, is actually is the, the perfect example of this. There, I remember a team working on a story and they usually got things done in eight, nine days or less. And this one story took 13, 14 days and they, hadn't, they didn't break it up when, while it was in flight, they should have. But later on, we looked at it in a retrospective. And again, if you go back to um, the episode with Colleen, you'll see how you can use a scatter plot to look at these things in, a, in, in retrospective and talk about them. And it had three acceptance criteria. There were three labels that needed to be changed. That was that's what it was. I mean, on the face of it, changing three labels, there is no way you're splitting that up. This is three. I'm I'm typing this stuff up within an hour. I'm checking it in. Someone gets a build, verifies it is done. It turns out the third label uh, was supposed to follow some new UX standards, where part of it had to be had to be bold and the rest of it didn't. And there was some interesting funky thing that needed to happen with it. Um, and that story, the first two labels were done within an hour, but the last one took them 13 days to get done. Meanwhile, it was all sitting there uncommitted, not moving, moving into production. So that's, that's the reason we're talking about. You can deliver value with a smaller item, do it. So as usual, I was not listening to a word that you said. I was actually going to look at the videos that we've already published because... I was I was wondering if we have if we have a video specifically on story slicing strategies. We have right sizing. 
and we we don't and that's what we are we don't we have a right sizing video so that, i guess that's another video that we want to yeah. want to point you to for this this is a lot of this is overlap for the stuff that we we talk about in the in the right sizing video uh, so please check that out um but i don't know maybe maybe this requ this will require us even though we're talking a lot about it now um a specific story like yeah. what are some what are some clues that you have that you're you know you, you can slice your stories but specifically for this video the very first clue that you will have is monitoring aging, right? If, if, if the item is getting too old, then you've got a pretty good idea that, you know, that, that, that something's wrong and most likely it's, it's too big. And I just wanna reemphasize what Pratik said before is that, um, okay, you get that signal, just, just because you get the signal, that's not enough. You have to take action. And if you take action, you know, in, in your standups, uh, in, in your daily scrums, that's, that's where all the hard work is. You get that right, then all these other things that we were talking about in the in the retrospective, in the review, in the planning or whatever, all of those things honestly will take care of themselves. If you get every day, you are being diligent and vigilant, both of those things. Um, are those synonyms? I don't know, we'll have, to, we'll have to look that up. If you're <laughs> diligent and vigilant, um, you know, about aging, everything else takes care of itself. And that's that's um that's kind of been the, the 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 thread on this in this video we have we have gone back and talked about a lot of things that we've already covered in earlier earlier videos but um for for speci especially for a scrum team how to take those same things and how to use those flow metrics day to day um in your scrum ceremonies to figure out how uh, to to make to make it flow better to to make to make um, the process uh, smoother. That's that's literally what we've been talking about here. You will probably go back and watch a multiple of those videos to get deeper into the things we've talked about. But there is an app. Th these two um, the the flow principles from Kanban and Scrum are not exclusive at all. They they can they can help each other quite a bit. So I think it's time for a shameless plug here, if, if all of you will forgive the shameless plug. If you want to learn more about specifically how to use flow metrics in Scrum events, uh, please check out scrum.org's Professional Scrum with Kanban class, because there is a, a large percentage of the class is exactly that, going through, mm -hmm. going through the Scrum events and understanding um, how we can use some of these flow principles and especially these flow metrics um, to get more out of those, to get more out of those events. Uh, but I would I would also argue um, go take a look at, at ProKanban.org's Applying Professional Kanban class because a lot of that class is, as well is independent of your context. You know, the Applying Professional Kanban is all about just independent of your specific context. How can you use these these general flow principles to get um, to get more effective, to get more efficient, to get more predictable? You know, you know all of those things. Um, whether you do all the Scrum events, you know, or not. So forgive the shameless plug, but if you really want to learn more. Those those classes are really really designed about how to leverage metrics for uh, for improvement. Um, I don't know. We have what else do we have to say, or is that do we? No, that's that's mostly it. I think we covered all the events except for all number the, five that you hinted at. And yeah, really... but yeah, remember maybe leave a comment if if you want to leave a comment in this video. What is that mysterious fifth event that we are not talking about that doesn't necessarily have any any metrics associated per se? Um, all you Scrum experts out there, I'm expecting you to get that question right. Um, 
So um, please leave us a comment on that. Um, and, and, and as always, please please leave us comments or, or questions that you yeah. you might have about anything in this episode. Thank you to Mark for 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 coming up with this. You know, I'm, we're, we're always looking for that content and glad that we could hopefully shed some light on or, or maybe confuse you further. Maybe we've confused <laughs> you further about about how to use these flow metrics. Yeah, well, I just want to um, like ca ca carry on thanking Mark on that because it, it's a, we talk about all the stuff pretty often, but we don't put it in the right context for a lot of folks. Uh, Scrum is definitely the, the dominant framework um, for Agile teams. And we, what we wanted to do here by answering this question also was show you that it's not exclusive. Kanban and Scrum are not exclusive and you can actually make your Scrum practice a lot stronger by putting in uh, these Kanban principles and these flow metrics. So, so I, I like to give Pratik the last word. I think that's the last word on the on this topic. Um, thanks again to Mark. Thanks again to everybody who has who has uh, sent in your questions. I, we are working through them. We've already got a few um, queued up for the next set of episodes. Yep. Uh, so look for your question and, and just please keep them coming. So for Nisha laying there in the background, just just bored out of her mind. She's just passed out. <laughs> um, for, for the Yogi Bear of Agile, uh, Pratik Singh, my name is Daniel Bacanti. Thank you again for joining us for this episode of Drunk Agile, and we will see you in the next video. Good night, everybody. Yeah.